What is going on, everybody? And welcome back to the Red River Horror Podcast. I am your host, Joe Zakreski. This is episode number 18. And with me, welcoming back the founder of RedRiverHorror.com, Mr. Eddie Kaiazo. Hi, Ed. Welcome back. Oh, Joe, it's great to be back, man. Wonderful. So glad to have you back here. Yeah, thank you for, for literally not only holding down the fort for one minute, but two minutes. Yeah. I mean, life, life, it, uh, you know, it finds a way. There was a lot of things happening. Yeah. A whole crazy, busy couple of weeks. Yeah. yeah. But you did a fantastic job. Oh, well, thank you very much. Yeah. It was a lot of fun to uh, relive some of those, like, memories of, uh, like, the first episode was about cannibalism, uh, remembering, you would remember this fondly because you weren't there, we weren't able to talk about it. I don't know if you remember, I won't say his name because anyway, he's not going to listen to this, but hey, anyway, maybe he does. I don't know. But a guy who was a year ahead of us in high school who was also really into horror movies ended up working at Hollywood Video. Oh, my and, gosh. Yes. Yeah. At, at Holly, Yeah, Hollywood Video. I can say his name's Dave, right? I mean, nobody Dave, knows. Dave, yeah. He, he, he recommended Dolomite, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was into like all kinds of... Like, like, he was the one who would recommend like crazy movies, and that's where it's like... I remember that's where like Cannibal Holocaust and yeah. then like explaining it to us, like being like... <laughs> 15 or 16 being like whoa like <laughs> like they legit like like yeah. yeah i mean they legit hurt animals which is very sad that's not good it's not good at all not a fan Mm-mm. no but it made me like reach out and explore that more extreme genre that i uh don't really care for yeah <laughs> and i'm not a huge fan of cannibal horror yeah i just think it's because i haven't really seen that right movie yet that's done it for me it works for me with like the hills have eyes uh mm. where the uh, texas chainsaw massacre where there's a reason for it i didn't it. even th- i'm completely this is you could tell <laughs> i've been out of the game a while yeah the texas chainsaw massacre is yeah. fantastic yeah where, I, <laughs> where there's a reason for it when it's just outright these like indigenous tribes that are also cannibals just kind of like meh it's like Scary for the time, but ultimately it's not that scary. Especially like, no offense to Eli Roth, but his movie, The Green Inferno, fucking sucks. Really? Yeah, because it gets into him being Eli Roth about it. You know, he likes to try and throw in jokes that like, yeah. I guess it's to cut the tension, but whatever. It doesn't really work. No, but but you're right. Although t- to actually defend myself a little bit with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, when we had seen that... Mm-hmm. It wasn't the cannibalism thing that scared me. It should have. I mean, do you even think about it? No, no. I, I think of of just how vicious uh, Leatherface was. Right. So, to be perfectly honest, I defend myself a little bit on the cannibal because it wasn't yeah. the cannibalism that scared me with that. It was com- something completely yeah. different. And then, of course, the horror movie that may or not may be more of a thriller, The Science of the Lambs, yeah, the right. series. Right. And then doing the next episode where it's like reliving those thoughts of the general lafayette and just how that that place it had the feel yes like if you were in there by yourself you'd get creeped out very much so yeah i would not be able to be cleaning up after hours after everybody's gone home and hearing stuff walk something <laughs> footsteps I'd, I'd lose it because yeah. it's like a low ceiling there's not much you know the escape is a not an easy one no, and it's it was lit at least, and and maybe this was on purpose, maybe not. It was lit like it was from <laughs> the times when General Lafayette was there, yeah. the 1700s. Yeah, I, that's what I loved about it. So <laughs> that was cool. And then, like you know, other restaurants that would have to 
get out there and check out. Yeah. It'd be cool if like found out who the realtor is on that building, see if they'd let us in. Yeah, and and I do, as I'm sure you do. Yeah. I, I think everybody's a realtor nowadays, so maybe we could find somebody. <laughs> well, I think for this because it's a commercial property, I mean, we might need a commercial broker. Okay, to let us in. Well, so. we should. We you were, but you brought something up very important in that last episode, uh-huh. and it was cool hearing it. I wasn't able to be a part of it the last few weeks, but hearing the one specifically featuring the General Lafayette in it, it really brought back some memories. I hadn't thought about that place in quite a while Mm -hmm. because life has been so busy since those times we were able to just go there, have like a good hearty comfort meal and drink. Yeah. Really, really good. Uh, Just small batch beers in cast age. Like you just don't get that anymore. Before it was cool. I mean, that was before the craft beer revolution. Yeah. It it was just like kicking off. Like what were like, you had Victory, Dock Street. Right. Yeah. I mean, that that was about it back then. The real yards, I think, with yeah, with the, the old yards, the two brothers, mm-hmm. and then uh, and then like what were like a farm was like a magic hat. <laughs> right. yeah. yeah, that was from what Vermont, and then they were ultimately, I think, bought by AB. But yeah, but but yes, at the time, but, like, it was like oh yeah, working in a specialty craft beer <laughs> store, there weren't that many. No, in comparison to how it is now, and that's not a bad thing. So. Nope. So anyway, that was a great last episode. And yes, I think one of the components we got to add to the podcast is that video component. We have to visit the places we talked about in the previous episode. Yeah. And if we are allowed in the general Lafayette Inn, and since we'll be together, we won't be too scared. We can walk through uh, St. Paul's Cemetery at night. Yeah, I think, and I think as long as if you know we're cordial and we ask politely, maybe they'll they'll let us do it. Mm-hmm. You know. Why not? It's worth a shot. We'll try and get some more video and some more like local haunting stories. We'll yes. have some fun. Now, before we get into the nitty gritty, we're going to have you be telling me some ghost stories. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm looking very much forward to that. But right before we get into it, there's a little piece of trivia I want to ask you. And this is going to be really hard or really easy. Oh. So I'm. Pretty sure we saw this movie in theaters. There's your hint. And then the rest is so this week will be the last time the sun will be visible in Barrow, Alaska. Yes. It'll be complete darkness for about a month before the sun comes back. Do you remember what movie took place in Barrow, Alaska? With during that time of darkness, I believe I do. Okay, I think it's Thirty Days of Night. Oh, you got it. Yes, sounds like a tough one. It's one that I always forget about, but I freaking loved that movie, and I, I love the the mini comic series. Well, I don't, after we saw it, I ended up buying it. Well, I didn't know about the comic series. Yeah. Um, but I like that movie now. That was one that when we saw it in theaters, and I'm pretty. I'm pretty generous when it comes to horror movies. I can get in the zone for pretty much any kind of horror. Mm-hmm. That one, when we saw it, I didn't like it too much. Yeah. When I revisited it, I was like, oh, wow. This, yeah. this was really good. What yeah. the hell was I thinking? This terrifying. It was brutal. Yeah. It was bru- brutal vampires at a time before vampires got a little more yes. soft. It was before the Twilight so it era. It came out in 2007. 
Oh, no. It wouldn't have been so, before Twilight When then. did the first Twilight come out? I think Twilight came out afterwards. I think Twilight probably came out around like 2008 or 2009. Okay, because I remember I got an Xbox One fixed at the Plymouth Meeting Mall. Yeah. They had a place that fixed them. and So it's definitely like the Twilight book series was out. So my sister, she went to see Twilight at the mall, and I stayed. Obviously, I didn't go see Twilight. Was that when we were going to get pizza when you just drop your sister off? Was the time when we just like maybe had a few too many dollar butt ices at Franzone's? It could have been. (laughs) (laughs) It's like these 24 ounce kids are a dollar. Buck. Yeah. But the thing is, I remember dropping. No, no, no. I remember picking up my Xbox 360 from being repaired. And she went to see Twilight. So Xbox 360 was released in 05, I believe. All right. So the first Twilight film. Is November of 2008. Okay. And 30 Days of Night is October of 2007. So it's got well, a year Perfect. So, All right. Yeah. So yes, before, before vampires got glittery. Yeah. As the vampire craze was heating up, this was brutal vampires before... They started getting a little more dramatic. I mean, there were dramatic vampires before that with, like, the, was it Anne Rice novels? That yeah. It? Yeah, when they were interview and all that. Those are cool. I The books, yes. I saw Interview with a Vampire for the first time. I did not really like it that much. Yeah? Yeah. I had that guy who was in uh, Tim Burton's Batman and R-List that he can never remember his name. He sees his face be like, oh, yeah, that guy. He's the one interviewing the vampire. Oh, Christian Slater. Right? Was it Christian Slater? Am I way off? I might be way off. Everyone ignore me. No, no, don't, no. Let's don't take me. I'm gonna look it up no, only me. because I'm free. If it's not Christian Slater, how ridiculous would yeah. that be? And the thing that weirds me out about seeing a movie like that in Jumanji is like Kirsten Dunst's face looks exactly the same. <laughs> right. Just her body's changed. And it's just like weird. It's like, you know, everybody like ages a little bit. It's like the same exact face. <laughs> You're right. And the and the weirdest thing with that. Yeah. Is like, I mean, she was like the hot chick when uh, Spider Man came out because she was yeah. married. So it was just like, oh, oh, she, like she was the love interest yeah. of all the kids that went to see Spider Man. Yeah. So it was Christian Slater. It was Christian Slater. Okay, yeah. No, so I was off. I was thinking of somebody else. Broken, who might be in it, but Broken Arrow and the yeah. evil, the evil brother and Robin Hood and yeah. I, I know Christian Slater was like an '80s heartthrob, right? I think. Yeah, I mean, there was like a thing with him being like the next Jack Nicholson or whatever, and then he got re, you know, renowned for that Mr. Robot show that I've only seen a couple episodes though. I heard that's a good show. Yeah, um, but hey, with I don't know. Well, sidebar with that, I got a show for you on the USA Network that we should, we could, you should watch. Okay, we could talk about another time. It's called The Sinner. Hmm. Now, if anybody out there has seen The Sinner, season one with Jessica Biel and Bill Pullman, it's really interesting. Bill Pullman? Yeah. So Christian Slater revived by Mr. Robot. Yeah, somehow the USA Network just popped out these like big shows out of nowhere. Wow. But uh, I think they're maybe they're all done. Who who (laughs) knows what's going on? There's just so much freaking content out there, it's hard to keep track. There is. Yeah. And speaking of content, you ready to give me some? Yes. All right. And I kept it just because your last episode was was pretty local with Southeastern PA. Yeah. Uh, I figured I would do this one in Philadelphia. Sweet. From a book called Philadelphia Ghost Stories by Ooh. Charles J. Adams III. So this edition that I hold, that mm-hmm. I have, is the third edition printed in 2001. Awesome. 
So Red River Horror, obviously Philadelphia has two big rivers, the mm-hmm. Schuylkill River and the Delaware River. Um, that contributed to the name of Red River Horror and the Channels of Fear, all that mm-hmm. fun stuff. So the first story is on the Delaware Rev- River. It's called The Lantern Ghost of the Mushaloo. Ooh, and the Mushaloo is that, and it's also a restaurant. It is. As well as a boat. Correct. Very cool looking boat. I, I, and I've still never eaten there, so when the lockdown ends... We're going. We're going to the Mushaloo. We're going. So, and I'm going to read this again. This is from Philadelphia Ghost Stories by Charles J. Adams III. This story is The Lantern Ghost of the Mushaloo. This is not fiction. All right? <laughs> yes. Woohoo! Yes. In the golden age of sail and when the Philadelphia waterfront had few rivals... Hundreds of tall masts poked into the sky along the western shore of the Delaware. Those days are long gone, but among several historic ships docked on the Delaware these days is the Mushaloo, the accents on the shoe, arguably the most unusual restaurant in the city. Diners walk on slightly pitched hardwood decks and duck through low overheads. They peer through hatchways or portholes. In season, they dine on the main weather deck of the vessel. One may revel in the ship's checkered history, a history that brought the Mushaloo from the pinnacle of sailing successes to the pits of seagoing subservience. The life of the ship is detailed in displays and exhibits on the upper decks. A film of the 394-foot ship rounding Cape Horn and in books. So this is a pretty popular boat. Yeah. I mean, it's really cool looking. It is. I've, I've always, every time I, because I always go to that ice rink there. At the, yeah. I'm trying to think if that's the one that I went on. I think I toured it before. I definitely toured it before. Well, I, I know Roman, where we went to high school, I know that, the, what was it, the Spirit of the Delaware? or the, the What was that boat that was like the cruise that the prom was on? Yeah, but we didn't, I didn't have mine there. Okay. I'm trying to think. Cause, so, I mean, I was out of Roman yeah, a year it, and a half. Was but, it the Spirit of the Delaware? It's, just, it's another, yeah, another but, ship. But the Mushaloo's docked. Yeah. So, so it's the world's largest and oldest four-masted sailing ship still afloat, and some say it is haunted. The 3,116-ton vessel was launched in Scotland in 1904 and was christened the, quote, Kurt by her German owners. She she, plied plied the seas with general cargoes until World War I when the Americans captured her and renamed her the Mushaloo, a Seneca word for fearless. Her new owners placed her into the lucrative grain trade, and she quickly gained status as one of the fastest grain-carrying square riggers on any ocean. She proved herself in 1939 when she won the Great Grain Race from Australia to England. That's a hell of a haul. That's a haul. On a boat like that. Yeah. That race was considered by most maritime historians to be the dying gasp of the square rigger era. A fate that awaited many of the majestic sailing ships befell the Mushaloo in 1940. Her masts and rigging, her 45,000 square feet of canvas, and her very innards were stripped from her hull, and once proud Mushaloo became a barge, a floating warehouse. In 1970, the ship was towed to Philadelphia, because, you know, just like the... The, uh, the old cars that John Street had to get rid of. People, yeah. People love dumping their junk in Philly. Sure do. But hey, 
We got the Mushaloo out of it. So, in Damn 1970, right. the ship was towed to Philly, and after a $2 million renovation, opened as a floating restaurant five years later. Hmm. Ill fortune visited the Mushaloo once again in the summer of 1989, when a four-alarm fire and smoke damage caused the closing of the restaurant and sent the ship to an uncertain fate at a pier in Camden. Hmm. <laughs> you would think that would be it. Yeah. <laughs> For a while, it seemed as if the veteran of 54 voyages around Cape Horn might wind up in the scrap heap of sailing history. There were plans proposed that would have kept the Mushaloo in Camden or moved it to Wilmington. Both cities offered millions of dollars in harbor accommodation to the new owners if they would refurbish it and move it to their waterfronts. <laughs> they were both cities desperate for, for something. <laughs> something. <laughs> this famous boat. Yeah. <laughs> well... Well, so, of course, they didn't get it. Philadelphia had the pier, the parking, and the Penn's Landing, and the developers Michael, Michael J. Aspel and Eli Karetny opted to return the Mushaloo to Pier 34, where the ship is the centerpiece of a cluster of dining and entertainment facilities. The Mushaloo wears its latest $11 million renovation with pride, Central American mahogany, Victorian etched glass, bright brasswork, a cocktail lounge, and mm. atmospheric dining rooms mm. on the main deck that wrap customers mm. in luxury. So on the upper deck are restored cruise quarters, the galley, the, I don't know, some maritime person will make fun of me. It's uh, spelled F-O-C apostrophe S-L-E. Foxeal? Foxel? Some displays in one of the invisible... Well, here we go. That's the punchline. On the upper deck are restored cruise quarters, the galley, the F-word, some displays, and one of the invisible crew members. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Eli Karetny, ex-marine and affable captain of the Mushaloo, has no trouble speaking of the ghost of the big ship. Quote, ghosts, that is. He is quick to correct. It seems that Karetny and several folks who work aboard the Mushaloo believe there are actually two spirits who stroll the decks of the ship. An independent investigation of the alleged Mushaloo haunting actually turned up what could be a third ghost. More on that later. I'm going to take a quick sip. Yeah. I'm getting crackly here. I'm getting... It's interesting. You know. I was thinking about that other boat, because there used to be other boat restaurants down there. I think that's like the last one. One of the other notable ones was a Hooters. Oh, I don't know if you remember that. There's no, a, a, I'm pretty sure Hooters was on a boat on Penn's Landing. Wow, uh, maybe it was. It was. <laughs> it's like the Mushaloo, the spirit. I think. It, I think. It, the the, I think the spirit of Delaware, or whatever we're calling. It, I think that was Hooters. Right. <laughs> spirit weird. of Philadelphia. Something weird when they first started like revamping the pier area. I can't. I was like too young to really remember. <laughs> but there's Dave and Buster's that's still there. And but that but that Dave and Buster's was important because it was the only one for a long time. Like at least here. Oh yeah. I mean that was yeah. Because because everyone's you got to go to Dave and Buster's. Got to go to Dave and Buster's. Yeah. Like, I mean it's, it's massive in comparison yeah. to any other one I've been to. Wow. So no, they they've built up. Hey, Penn's Landing's awesome. Yeah, my wife and I hang out there every winter. We always go yeah. to the River Inc. But it's a wonderful thing. Yeah. So, quote: We have lanterns on each of the fifty-two dining tables. End quote. Karetny explained: We do not light those lanterns during the day. He continued, but someone does. Ooh. At night. After we have definitely blown out every single candle and we double check to make sure we have some of them 
relight. Koretny calmly recalled several occasions when the lantern candles, which had absolutely been snuffed, were found flickering in the light of day. At first, quote, at first, we thought we were just seeing bright sunshine coming through the glass of the lanterns, he said. We checked, and no, it was a flame in the lantern. The logical culprits might have been the overnight cleaning crew. No, Koretny said. They were not pulling tricks. In fact, they've seen the lantern's light. They were convinced that something unreal was going on. They heard sounds. They saw lanterns lit up. In fact, that crew, which worked from midnight to 5 a.m., asked for earlier hours when the others are on board. Mm. They were spooked, Koretny quipped. Patrick Wall, who has tended bar in the ship's Winter Garden Lounge since it reopened, confirmed the strange relighting of candles, as did several other employees. All the servers have witnessed it, Koretny continued. We've come to call it the Lantern Ghost. The second spirit wanders the upper deck among the masts and superstructures. That ghost, Koretny said, is probably a sea captain or a sailor. Day or night, you will hear it. You'll hear the sound a lot in the early evening or right before we close. Guests have heard it. It'll be light words, unintelligible. They seem to be coming from the rigging. Hmm. You have to remember that this ship went around Cape Horn 54 times. Wow. 28 men lost their lives. Wow. We truly believe the spirits of those lost on those voyages remain on these decks. But of course, it is an old floating square rigger. Can its, particu- can its peculiar sounds tease the imagination into believing that a natural creaking of timbers is an unnatural ghostly soliloquy? Mm. Koretny knows better. There are what I call mistaking ghosts, too, he is quick to add. This ship talks. Since we're moored here to Pier 34, the ship pulls on its mooring when the tide changes. It's best at night when it's dark, very mysterious and very wonderful. It's as if the ship is tugging and talking and telling us somehow that it wants to go out, once again, to sea. Hostess Nina Nina Paschini confirmed that she and others have heard the voices and not the mistaken ghosts. And restaurant crew member Gary Goldstein said he once heard the sound of a laughing woman on board long after all the guests had gone ashore. I asked my manager if he heard it, Goldstein said. He said it was just the wind in the rigging. I knew it wasn't. It was a woman laughing hysterically, and I know what a woman's laughter sounds like. It was coming from the ladies' room, so I went over there, opened the door. As soon as I opened the door, the laughter stopped, but it definitely had been there. Goldstein may be on to something. Unbeknownst to Koretny, a medium was dispatched for dinner and a reading of the big ship one early evening in early 1998. She needed only to step onto the gangplank of the Moshalu to detect its strongest spirit. Oh yes, the paranormal investigator said eagerly. There's a very strong energy here. With full knowledge of the history of the ship and its suspected spiritual inhabitants in hand, the medium shook her head and said the strongest energy was not that of a doomed deckhand and not an old sea captain. Hmm. 
Quote, I don't know exactly when, why, how, or who, she said, but I suspect the strongest energy is that of a middle-aged woman. She might have been the wife of a captain or a crew member. In fact, and this is just a feeling, I believe she may have been a woman dressed in man's clothing and posting as a male sailor huh. for whatever reason. Here. It was German. It was German. <laughs> hmm? So, I mean... That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> or... <laughs> so, or she could have been a stowaway. Mm, that could make a lot of sense. Yeah. The reader, who preferred we not use her name, felt there was... There were very odd circumstances about the woman's time aboard the Mushalu, and even stranger circumstances revolving around her demise. I don't feel murder or suicide, the medium said. I do sense confusion and deceit. It's hard to read. There are only bits and pieces of information here. But it's female. Very secretive and very difficult to decipher. The energy would be strong enough to spark a candle or recapture conversations. And I think that while it's very bizarre, it's totally harmless. She added that the nature of the ghost she felt was such that someone with a deep interest in the sea, and especially a woman with a deep interest in the sea, would be the most likely to actually see the form of the elusive spirit. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. So that's... A little ghost tale from the Mushaloo. Mulan of the Mushaloo. <laughs> a woman dressed as a man. Though that would make sense that there would probably be some stowaways like that. It did that many rounds and there was probably, you know, not as many female sailors. There was probably somebody ambitious enough to fake their identity to get on the boat and mm -hmm. sail around the world. Absolutely. See what's up. I didn't know it did that many trips. Neither did I. Yeah. I always thought, I mean, you know me being like, I always think that there's like a catch to things yeah so it's like i thought that that was just there and it's just like oh some some rich person opened up a restaurant with it like they yeah bought i thought a boat. it was just an old fucking boat that they're <laughs> right. like all right well we're now gonna put some tables on it and uh, you're gonna eat right no not the no. case very cool so very cool not as creepy as your watcher story that really got me um no but you just like being on you know same thing like you're on a boat you're by yourself and it's like you hear something. It's like you would imagine that like a boat might be a little creaky. Yeah. But if, you know, lamps or lanterns or whatever, voices, that would get to me. That gets yeah. me really quick. So do you want one more story or two more stories? Both are not as long as that one. Well, let's, let's hit, hit me with another one. All right. Hit me. Okay. Ghost ships, though we gotta find some ghost ships. We do. That's you. We were just talking about we that. We were talking about. We that. need. We need a, a trip to. Uh, go to, Cape to May the first. seashore. Yeah, you know that, and then even if you remember, if we go, uh, might have not been recorded, but I was talking about it because Evans from Erie, right? You know, Ooh. there's a lot of stuff that happened on them Great Lakes. Hell yeah! That's so a big freaking lake. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, actually, it, you say Cape May, Charles J. Adams the third. Well, I don't know if he's the author, but oh yeah, he is. He authored Cape May ghost stories. Find them. So maybe we should find the author of mm -hmm. this book, and we should grab a copy of Cape May ghost stories before we go. Yes. 
All right. We must find him. So this one, I hope, will be a little bit scarier for you. This is called A Deal with the Devil. Now, remember this book, Philadelphia Ghost Stories, Charles J. Adams III. All right. Here we go. A Deal with the Devil. Early colonial records reveal punishments doled out to convicted petty pirates of the Delaware, to Mm. blasphemers, and to thugs of all ilk. The stocks and whipping posts were seldom without company. The diary of Reverend Andreas Sandel included the following entry of January 12th, 1716. A dreadful thing happened in Philadelphia to the wife of a butcher who had quarreled with her husband. He asked her to make their bed, but she refused. Continuing to refuse, he told her he would turn her out of the house, but she told him if he did so, she would break every window pane and invoked the devil to come for her if she did not do it. The husband led her out of the house. She became highly excited, broke some of the panes, and through the kitchen made her go up to the attic with a candle and laid down on the bed, greatly disturbed, on account of her promise. Then she heard somebody coming up the stairs, but saw no one. This was repeated for half an hour. Becoming more and more agitated, fearing her awful invocation was about to be realized, she went down to her husband, telling him of her anguish and asking him to aid her. Laying down on a bench near the hearth, she perceived a dark human face, making horrid grimaces with mouth wide open and the teeth gnashing. Then she became thoroughly terrified and asked her husband to read her Psalm, oh gosh, Psalm, Roman numerals, XXJ. XXJ? Is X10 to 20? What? J. J. XXI? 21? I mean, XXI would make sense. Oof. Is that an I or a J? Uh, is that an I? That's <laughs> like a weird calligraphy. Yeah, I was like, that, that's what threw me off, because I know Roman numerals, per, pretty, numerals pretty well, so I'm just going to say 21. <laughs> <laughs> then she became thoroughly terrified and asked her husband to read her Psalm 21, which he did, and the face disappeared. Soon afterwards, she perceived at the window, one of which she had broken, that someone was standing there with both arms extended through the window, by which her fright was made greater. Then the figure approached and passed her. Her husband then clasped his arms around her, when the fumes of brimstone became so strong they could not remain indoors. At one o'clock, she sent for the minister, who also came and prayed with her the next day. Many persons visited her, but she had to hold her hands over her knees to keep them from trembling. So, mm. it happened in Philadelphia. Creepy. A deal. Even creepier. Yes. I think it is XXJ, though, because that's why I started looking up. I'm like, well, what is J? Well, so I put it in. And I'm just getting, it's like, oh, Psalm 23. I'm just like, uh, I don't know about that. Hmm. Yeah, uh, Psalm XXJ. We'll have to ask our, our buddy Keith about that. Hmm. Let's hmm. see. Oh, and that's like the general, the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. 
Oh. So as he guides me in the path of righteousness. That the standard psalm. Wow. Yeah, I go to church every Sunday. I I didn't know what the hell XXJ was. <laughs> I don't think they say it. They just say, you know, I think they just say from, I don't know. They even say that in church all the time? I don't think so. No. No. No, they don't. They do so, not. That is a, they sing it sometimes. Yeah. Oh, then, they do sing it. So that's think, the responsorial song. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Ba-boom. Oh, man. The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I shall want. Yeah. That line just makes me think of more of when Bobby Hill on King of the Hill gets into Christian rock. And he's like, just like the rap, he's just like jumps on him. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. <laughs> oh, my gosh. The Lord is my... so that's XXJ, huh? That's XXJ. Well, so how cool is that though, dude? The, I mean, that the, the cool thing. What I like about this, because again, um, this was from the diary of Reverend Andreas Sandel. Interesting. From January twelfth, seventeen sixteen. Interesting. So. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. And just to think, on January seventh of. 2001 we were walking back the mm. uh, Donnelly Hill and seeing figures that and figure. trees and stuff that so some people don't admit that they saw but now I mean you would be honest with me and we can tell this story at another time but you did see something right yeah I mean I thought I thought we all did I did too no I'm saying that our, our buddy drew yeah. you know we're just using first names yeah. our buddy drew says no like no, like I, I didn't Playing see it off it. like I don't even know what you're talking about. It's like all right, yeah, no. We we were all terrified. So we, ask we the were. other person who was the other two who were there. One definitely doesn't remember at all, just because he's fried. Yes, but yeah, that's to his own admittance. The last time we talked to him, he's like, I don't remember shit. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> it's like you don't remember that how creepy that was. <laughs> no, no, I don't remember shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah. And then the other person who's there might just say that they saw something just for the sake of saying that they saw something, but they could be could be honest. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. You I don't talk to I don't talk to him. You do, or you don't even talk to him. I can't remember who it was. So I'm trying to yeah. think. Let's, let's rebuild the crew here real quick, and then we'll tell the story at another podcast. Yeah. This was a real one that we experienced. And the thing is, the reason I know we both experienced it is because we mess with each other a lot and always try to convince each other of things. For sure. That are paranormal. Yeah. So we're the biggest skeptics of each other. We are with movies, too. This was something that both of us were genuinely like, dude, no, like, I'm, I'm not joking. Like, I'm not. Like, we both went out of our way to say... No, I'm not either. The, the, there was there was a black figure. It felt like we were being followed. Y- yes. Yeah. That was creepy. Yeah. <laughs> it felt like we were being followed, and then it was even like, a, you know, I don't know. You could try and say that it was shadows or something like that, but something, something didn't feel right. No. You know, something, something was off. Yeah. This is me, you, Drew. Um. Drew, Chris Henley. Hmm. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> first name. Well, he's just one of the groups. Well, he's yeah. just one in the group. But I mean, it, it, and Dan wasn't Dan there? Or maybe not. Maybe Dan was around. The... Maybe not. Was it Dan and Sean? 
So yeah, I'm I just trying to might, rebuild it. You had to have been because that was like your the regular Scotia Road. Yeah, gathering people. So it would have been Sean. Uh, well, Chris Henley listens to podcasts, so we can use his last name. He loves podcasts. We just should bring him on here for we, the heck of it. Oh, he would love that. Yeah, I'd love it too. <laughs> so would I. Everybody who doesn't know him, you're in for a freaking treat. Right? Maybe he's quite <laughs> mellow. He's a dad now. He is a dad now. Yeah. But he's got to be this. He's still got the same humor. <laughs> so, yeah, rebuilding that group, it was you, me, Dan, Sean, Drew, Chris Henley. Yeah. And I thought there was, there may have been one other, or maybe not. Yeah. I mean, were we, were we out of grade school by then? We were. All right. So, yes. Sean's there. As Sean long as it's there. not like freshman year. Because he came sophomore the summer after freshman when you became friends with him. Right. So, oh, maybe he was there. Yeah, maybe. Maybe he was. And you know what? We should get all these people. Well, the one, Drew specifically, uh, he's really good friends with a mutual friend of ours. Yeah. And I told him, I said, no, ask Drew about this. This was crazy. Yeah, he denied everything. He's just like, I, he said, like, quote, it's freaking crazy. Yeah. Like, and it's like, no, no, you were. He was into it at the time. He was. Yeah. Yeah. So we could have all been getting. What is that? Not group think. What's the when one person in the group, or when everybody in the group is kind of like feeling something together, and then it's it's amplified because of it. I, I don't know what the word's called. I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember either. But it, it it was definitely something because it was it was dark. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's dead silent. Yeah. You know, I mean, the woods, there was snow on the ground, and it was just, you know, dark. Yes. So. Yeah. Scary. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. But, so that that little anecdote that we just told, which we can expand upon, and we can maybe even, with the right camera equipment, we could relive that yeah. one of these winters. I mean, I guess it's kind of creepy being this age. If you were to see us walking. Yeah, well, now we're just going to scare the crap out of some kids trying to drink. That's true. Which is fine, whatever. They should go deeper into the woods. Yeah, we can take them. I'm not worried about that. <laughs> <laughs> Let them say something. We got this. Listen up, children. Uh, but yeah. do they still even do the kids? Do kids even do that anymore? I've been so out of the game, this, and I was such dude, a I was so vanilla though. I didn't do that. You remember? No, you didn't. But still, it's like you know, there's there's just some things that I've seen. This <laughs> is not horror related. It's just silly. <laughs> that I mean, it could turn into a horror real quick, a real life horror because there's parents who just drop their kids off <laughs> or like chaperone keggers yeah it's weird man i don't know, it, I don't know. what where, where do i live i live in a meme <laughs> <laughs> wow i remember although uh, in the same spot that we were mm-hmm. i found a keg and because we worked at that beer store oh yeah i took the keg and returned it for the deposit hell yeah so some kids were very angry, but it yeah. was a lesson. Don't drink underage. Yeah. Park you rangers have to leave your do keg. that all the time. Why not? Yeah. Money. That's the way to do it. Yeah. 
oh, let's get back on track. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, this one, okay, cool. This is a shorter story, but it leads perfectly into what we were just saying. Ooh. So that is the Wissahickon Crick, is it not? That it you, is. If you keep going down that path where we were, mm-hmm. you get to the Wissahickon Crick. And if you don't know what it is, if you're back uh, Forbidden Drive and you see a sign for the, I guess I think it's titled the Wissahickon Meadow. Uh, it's Houston Meadow. Houston Meadow. Um, that's where it runs, it runs along Houston Meadow. Right. Like you could like, so you start at Houston Meadow and if you continue, you get to where Donnelly Hill, like you, that entrance. Yeah. It runs, it runs with it. Right. And then the other one is Cathedral Road. So that's like the path. Right. So we were specifically at the Cathedral Road entrance for the, for the, the big sighting. Yep. Now we did go to the. We did see something at the Donnelly Hill one, but the big one that had us running was the Cathedral Hill yeah. Road entrance. When we got down to the bottom of Cathedral, yeah, was, that's what I remember. That's why I keep thinking of Houston Meadow because Houston Meadow's at the top of the You're hill. You're right. You're absolutely right. We're coming right. through the path down low. If we were able to keep going, we would have ended up in the meadow. Right. Yeah. Because 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 the, the other one, the Donnelly Hill one, was we actually went sledding first, so that was cool. Um, we used to be so active. I know. Dude, what the hell happened? Well, at least you're still playing 8-bit games. I, I've cut them all off. Yeah, and as soon as we can play hockey again, I got my, you know, getting ready to play play some hockey. Can you play hockey? Yeah. We have the whole pucking maniacs with the family. Oh, yes, let me know. Yes. Okay. I'll come out, pop my pads on. All right, excellent. So, and it and it's me. Like, I'm fat and old now, so. Aren't we all? Yeah. So I'm saying, like, I, I still have, I, I still have, like, style, like, in finesse. I was always a good skater, but I'm, like, gassed after three minutes. Sure. So. Yeah. Anyway, so it leads, the path we were on leads to the Wissahickon. Well, this story is called The Hermits of the Wissahickon. Yes. Here we go. That's what I'm talking about. I think you'll enjoy this more than it will be scary. The earliest records of the monthly meeting of friends revealed the presence of what the Quakers called, quote, black arts. These arts included geomancy, necromancy, and astrology. Suspected astrologers were soundly condemned and brought before their peers for punishment. One particular group and several prominent individuals, however, defied their critics and cast new light onto the so-called, quote, black arts. They have gone down in history, albeit not mainstream history, as the Hermits of the Wissahickon. Hmm. They were called pietists, mystics, diviners, and yes, conjurers. And despite these descriptions bordering on what would seem to have been dangerous turf, according to early tolerance, these hermits were treated with a certain level of respect. It is generally regarded that the first pietists, men influenced by a sect in Frankfurt, Germany, which broke away from the Lutheran faith and incorporated several beliefs and practices, including those of the Quakers and the Mennonites, settled in Germantown in the summer of 1694. Hmm. Their earliest leader was Heinrich Bernhard Kuster. You have the umlaut there. Ooh. You like that. Yeah. <laughs> And who, so the earliest leader, Heinrich Bernhard Koster, who drew the curious and some, and some converts. A schism developed within the ranks of the pietists, 
and an extremist named Johannes Kelpius emerged to become their leader. A Transylvanian transplant, Kelpius and a handful of followers elected to follow a more pure doctrine, which, which uh, suggested celibacy, allowed the practice of astrology, and encouraged, encouraged abstract and experimental science. Mm. Known as the Kelpians, or the Society of the Woman of the Wilderness, mm. these practitioners also believed the end of the world was near, that when the 17th century ended, so would all of civilization end. Kelpius placed his faith in the coming of a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and the twelve stars on her forehead. She who fled into the wilderness, who would lead the faithful, few to glory, beyond the millennium. It is believed that fourteen men chose to live under the most extreme dictums set forth by Kelpius. These fourteen were the hermits of the Wissahickon. They lived in caves near springs along the creek, near where a roadbed, roadbed called Hermit Lane courses today. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Do you like that? I love that. This Kelpius dude was, was legit. Dude, we got to do a deeper dig into this. I know. This, this is a story I found years ago, and it's very, very cool. And I'll explain the picture that I'll show you. Yeah. Um, and I can put it in the article, but... So they lived in caves near springs along the creek, near where a roadbed called Hermit Lane courses today. Mm -hmm. The last of the hermits were said to have left their stark compound in about 1750. So before America was founded. Yeah. So this this might... This story's almost over. Uh Uh-huh. You might really appreciate the punchline here. Uh Uh-huh. Even though in a previous podcast, not ours, another one. Uh Uh-huh. Used to poke fun, but this this Probably. might this might be a cool punchline. So the last of the hermits were said to have left their Stark compound in about 1750. Kelpius died at about age 35, and tradition has it that among his legacies was the very name of a Philadelphia neighborhood. Kelpius called his hut quote the Barrow of Rocks. <laughs> As foxes often burrowed yep. in the rocky cellar of the place. That name was later formalized to Rock's Burrow, R-O-C-K-S-B-U-R-R-O-W, or, as it is now known, Roxborough. Huh. See, so I knew the thing about the foxes burrowing in the rock, like, that's where the Roxborough yeah. comes from. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's like some of this feels, like, a little familiar. Mm-hmm. Like maybe something I heard years ago, man. This is, isn't that cool? Yeah. If we didn't have a treatment for a movie already, I mean, this would just be wrapped. Dear Philadelphia Film Society, if you could please send us some funding so that we could make a movie about these herp, dude, that would be so cool. Well, That'd be here's, creepy. Here's the thing. Have you seen? Well, you've seen. You like? Oh, uh, his first film. No, not his first film. So Robert Eggers did The Witch. Yeah. And he did The Lighthouse. Yeah. Think about if we made a film about these hermits yeah. and and this this uh uh Kelp uh Kelpian. Yeah. Let me just make sure. 
Kelpius, I'm sorry. Yeah. Kelpius. If we made a film about him and those hermits, yeah. and Hermit Lane and all, and used the parameters set forth by like Robert Eggers, yeah. where in The Witch, it was, you know, they filmed at the natural times of day, yeah. out far into the wilderness using the real elements, like as if it was a real situation. The Crick is perfect for that. How cool is that? Ah. Yes. So, oh man, and 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 the picture that they show is the Devil's Pool in Wissahickon Creek Gorge, mm-hmm. circa 1910. Yeah, so I got to put that up there. Yes, you do. So I don't swim in it. Well, yeah. <laughs> so so we can we can do another story, or we can save it to it uh, for another time. Whoa, I think we have a lot. Yeah, no, we'll we'll save it for another time. Let's 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 uh, let's, okay. let's, let's end dude. on a high note. Yeah, but like. <laughs> I'm just thinking about these things like, you know, we we are so lucky to have grown up in a part of Philly where we're like so close to, you know, Valley Green, the, the Wissahickon yeah. Creek and all that. Like, you know, to be able to get into Fairmount Park, one, you know, one of the largest city parks in the world, um, just having it right in our back door. And hearing like a creepy story like that, it makes me think of like, you know, when I would go back there and just, we would just wander. Yeah. Just wander. And one of the things that me and my cousins would always go to, if you went down to like his side, on the other side of Houston, there's like this underground single room hut thing. It was made out of stone, but it was underground. It was one room with a fireplace. Wow. That wouldn't under be... the earth. So it's like we would like go down underground into it. Is that the like the I think the, they're not called specifically the Andorra ruins, but isn't there ruins? Aren't there? Well, my grandma... well, we might have been calling that and there's not much there's really not much known about them. There's only like assumed things because they predate a lot of the a lot of local history. Mm-hmm. So if you remember one thing about Philadelphia is the colors of the Philadelphia city flag. Yeah. Is that light blue with the yellow Mm -hmm. as a homage to the Swedish trappers that were here first. I didn't know that. No offense to the native Americans, but the first Europeans, it wasn't William Penn. It was actually Swedish trappers. That's the whole reason for the color of the flag. And so that's where the thought is like, Oh, maybe it was them. But what if it was like these hermits? Yeah. Because that's Before not far. Founded. That's not far from Germantown. Not at all. And no. they're scattered. There's other ones around. And you just you, have to find them. And if you think all you have is a horse to travel by, yeah, at best, yeah, and your feet at worst across rough. I mean, think think about all that's in between Germantown and Hermit Lane. Yeah, like think. <laughs> hmm. A lot of water. Steep. Yeah. It's dropped. The water drops there steep. There's no way that that landscape changed that much. No, people jump off that bridge, years. right? Sometimes. Yeah, I wouldn't. But hey, no, 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 I, <laughs> no. But people that want to die. Yeah, yeah. Um, no so. offense to people who have experienced that. I'm yeah, just saying, please people, don't. No, don't do that. Yeah, we don't encourage. Th- we, no, we. It's like Jeffrey Reddick said in one of our previous episodes. He says, you know, I like movie violence. I don't really like real life violence. Yeah, you know. Yeah, but. Oh man. Mm-hmm. So cool. Yeah. Set up Jeffrey Reddick. Like, hey, man, we got one for you. (laughs) Can you write out the... We'll give you an idea. Yeah. And you need to write this out. 
<laughs> yeah, that's so or cool. Daniel Farrens. Yeah. We can, we have two writers now that we're friends with. Yeah, we do. <laughs> and so cool. Stacy's a screenwriter too. I mean, fantastic. Not, she's really busy though. She's doing some pretty neat, pretty she neat is. stuff. Yes, she actually on Friday the thirteenth she held a virtual um, viewing party. Yeah. And I was hoping, so she did show a movie that I had seen before. It used to be called Fetish Factory. Now it was Cabaret of the Dead. Quite sexual. I um I didn't realize. Yeah. It was zombies and beautiful women and all that fun stuff. I that's a tough title to do. I can yeah. see why it changed. It's still like you know. Yeah. Fetish Factory seems a bit extreme. Right. And then what was the other one? Uh, the, what it's titled now is Cabaret of the Dead. Cabaret of the Dead. That's pretty good. Yeah. So because there are zombies that, yeah. but anyway, so that was her main feature. But before that, she actually previewed. She did the trailer of her documentary on the Ventures because yes. her dad, of course, is Don Wilson yeah. from the Ventures, which is so freaking cool. I it mean, really is like what a that's wild. But anyway, so yes, yeah, she's extremely busy. But she did have a virtual uh, Friday the Thirteenth party. Um, it was a lot of fun. Uh, someone on someone that was actually a part of that party. So just to keep name dropping here, Brooke Lewis. Yes, and her last name's uh, I don't know if it's her married name. I don't know, but Brooke Lewis Bellis or whatever. Either way, she's she's like a scream queen out in L.A. Um, does the actress the actress, but she's from Philadelphia and she has a six degrees of separation with us. Not only being from Philly, but we can bring it further in from Six Degrees. Mm -hmm. She was just featured with First Glance Film Festivals. They're doing a virtual thing. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think she was in a movie that was featured there, but she also did a virtual event with them. So we actually have to, we should talk to Brooke. We should talk to her. Yeah. We definitely should. We got to reach out. Yes. So... So, so I, I just got off on a tangent because I, I haven't been on in two weeks. These are, this is good tangent. I like that. <laughs> I've, I've been off for two weeks, so literally I'm, yeah. I'm everything that's coming to my mind is just flowing. and that's It's all good, man. I mean, yeah. I don't mind talking to myself, but sometimes it's nice to talk to another person. <laughs> right, right. So, you know, that being said, we're still, you know, I, I it's – I'm the one slacking in setting up these interviews that I wanted to do for people's firsthand experiences. So that's on me. Um, but I will be getting those together. So Yeah, and, and this is people are gonna be hearing this the week of Thanksgiving. Yeah. So I, I had the Mushaloo story with, you know, Red River Har, the channels of fear, but also food. it was a restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> Keeping the Thanksgiving food theme. Because I mean, the only Thanksgiving horror movie like there's I'm not going to get into it because there's some campy, stupid shit that people probably like because it's stupid and funny. Yeah. Um, the only one that I can really think of off the top of my head that maybe it got turned into a real thing at something, but it just makes me laugh all the time was when we saw, was it the Grindhouse double feature with Quentin Tarantino and uh, Robert Rodriguez? Yes. And in between, there was the fake trailers, and the one was for thanks, the one that was Thanksgiving. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yes, and it finishes with the dude just f- fucking a turkey on the table. <laughs> <laughs> the whole ba- family's dead, and he's just like humping at it. Thanksgiving. Wow, Grindhouse. Yeah. Grindhouse. But did we see that at Oaks? Nishamini. Nishamini. All the way out to Nishamini. Yeah, that. because it wasn't playing everywhere. 
now and you have a friend that was living out there and he suggested right. it. He was very, very into the Nishamni Mall and the yes. Nishamni Movie Theater. Yes, yes Might yes. still be for all I know. I don't know. Probably too busy. A little, little far away from there now. Yeah. yeah. At some point, you gotta, you gotta get away. Yeah. Right. Ah, and Nishamni's nice. That's 24 th- uh, screens. It's bigger than I thought. Yeah. You know. Hey. Yeah. How about that? And it was all, all our friends from Roman back in the day. So that was all neighborhood-based. It was all about the neighborhood you came from. Oh, yeah. So the Northeast kids loved Nishamini, and they would tell us, and we're just like, Because right. that was the nicer one, where they'll say, you know, yeah. everything else is a dump. <laughs> the other one, Franklin, we didn't go to Franklin Mills. There's even a movie theater at Franklin Mills. I don't know. What's it called? Isn't it called, like, Philadelphia Mills the or something? Philadelphia now? Mills. Whatever, whatever. What is that? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I tell you something. But Grindhouse, that, that's Grindhouse. a throwback. That's a throwback. I, I um, I haven't seen it since we saw it. You're not missing. Germany. You're not missing out. No. They're both like designed to be like one. In, like you know, they were what they were. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you could watch them twice. Right. No. So, and I'm sure there's someone out there who probably loves them both. Yeah. And uh, I don't know why. They're fine. Sure. You know, whatever. That's okay. But anyway. Well, sorry to talk so much, dude. It's been a while. I'm good. It's good to be back. You know, it's all good. This was a lot of fun. Glad, glad to have you back. And, of course, anybody out there, if you want to jump on, if you've got a story to tell, let us know at Red River Horror on Twitter, redriverhorror at gmail.com. And, of course, you can always just come to me at Red River Joe. Yes, and, and, guys, it's important. We would truly appreciate it. We've cracked the top 30 before. All because of you, you listeners out there. If you could subscribe, uh, follow, whatever you do on Apple. Mm -hmm. You know, the big thing with Apple, if you could follow or subscribe to our podcast, Red River Horror Podcast, if you like us, leave a five-star review. That would be super helpful. That's that's like the metric, man. That's what, if you want to hear more of this and... That will help us get the bigger guests that you want to hear from. You know, you've heard from Daniel Farrens already. You've heard from Jeffrey Reddick. We're bringing you the best interviews that we possibly can. Yeah. Um, we have top talent like Stacey Lane Wilson writing reviews for the site. So yeah. please, please, please give us a five-star review. Yeah. Leave a comment if it's a nice one. Um, if it's a mean one, just <laughs> so keep it to yourself. Yeah, yeah, please don't. Just don't even do that. Yeah. Be a friend. Tell your friends all that good stuff. You know, it's all gravy. That's all that's all I've got for you. Yeah, we don't have any ad reads, so I think I'm done. Nope. So happy Thanksgiving to you out there. I hope you enjoy it. With your little bird and pie. <laughs> happy Thanksgiving to you, Joe. Yes. Yes. It's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting one. Now are are uh, just quickly, are, hmm. is your family coming from other parts to My partake? parents who live in Florida are going to have turkey sandwiches on the beach. God bless them. So uh no. They're they're staying put. Well, Joe, I hope you so. enjoy your turkey sandwich. Yeah, I mean, you know, I will because actually I have a whole turkey. And hey, sponsor us because I just got one of my birthday gifts. I got Butcher Box, which is oh. a subscription service for meat. We'll reach and, out to them. Yeah, and the first thing that I got as a special gift was a frozen turkey. Wow. So not only did I get steaks, chops, ribs, bacon. I also got a turkey. 
So I'm very excited. So maybe we'll reach out to ButcherBox because what what can it hurt if you, the listeners, can get a discount code that can save you some money? That's what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, and I'm telling you, this is all grass fed, you know, wow. organic meats, delicious so far. I've enjoyed everything I made from there, and I'm reluctant to do frozen. I have a weird thing where I have to like buy fresh. This is the first time I've really enjoyed thawing something out or cooking it straight from frozen. It has been fantastic. Oh, and I also got like two pounds of ground beef that I haven't even touched yet. So that's all. Butcher Box that's what has this got a sponsor, man. Yeah. They just got to do it. So they got to do it. Butcher Box, Red River Horror has a nice ring to it. It really does. <laughs> Actually, I really think of it. It really, really hmm. does. I'm jealous. Yeah. So, well, I, I am jealous of what you're eating from the Butcher Box, but yeah. uh, I am being a rebel man i am not abiding by any of this they're not taking away thanks our governor and our mayor they're not taking away thanksgiving from me sure i have a full-on thanksgiving meal planned with family not direct family family for another household so let's just put it this way you know you can join the great turkey rebellion now eddie needs his lasagna i need my lasagna but (laughs) I'm going to be with uh, my plans for Thanksgiving haven't changed. And I'm very excited about that. Yeah. My people did not, you know, they, yeah. did, they didn't, they didn't cave to the, to the crap going on, man. Thanksgiving lives on. <laughs> well, either way you do it, you know, enjoy it, make the most of it. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. So as always, keep track. I'm Joe Zakreski. I'm Eddie Kayazo. And keep traveling those channels of fear.